Today on The Breakdown, just another one of those cash game hands, you know, $50, $100 blinds. We're from Live at the Bike and Crazy Andy, although some of you insist he's not crazy, I'm going to keep calling him Crazy Andy because this guy's got moves. His moves have moves. His boogie moves have their own version of dance moves on the poker table. That does make sense. He plays a hand against a player named Chris where they are insanely deep. They're 500 blinds deep. And Andy just makes a play that I don't think most people are even really capable of considering, let alone doing. We're going to talk about it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. You said his boogie moves have moves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have a question about that. Okay. So you, when you're referring to Andy's boogie moves, you're referring to a specific type of move, the boogie move. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> yeah. Does... That's when the boogie move has a move, yeah. does the boogie move have a boogie move? No. Or is it just a more general move? That's the dumbest question you've ever asked me. <laughs> Obviously, a boogie move can't have a boogie move. That's like a hat on a hat. No one would do that. Um, you can't put a hat on a hat? I've seen hats on no hats. No one would choose to put a hat on a hat. It's a dumb, it's a dumb thing to do, Grant. Fashion. I feel like you just offended at least a third of the audience. I think you're crazy. At least a third. And if you know what? If I did, they need to hear it. They need to hear it because hat on a hat, that's a thing. Uh, not a good thing, Grant. Anyway, so yeah, bo- boogie moves have moves, but of course, boogie moves can't have boogie moves. We're already in the boogie move subset slash genre of move. Everyone knows this. This is straightforward. So does that mean that it's by nature a boogie move no matter what? And that's why they don't have well, boogie moves because you don't have to specify? Or is it because they literally <laughs> can't have a boogie move because they're boogieing too hard Look, already? Look, I don't have... have a. I don't have a medical degree, and I'm not going to pretend I do. You don't have a medical degree. Let's not pretend you do either, okay? Let's not pretend we, we know all the ins and outs of the human body and the anatomy. Like, I can't name every bone in the body, Grant. I don't know the name of the radius bone, for example. I don't know that ulna. name. Ulna. You're right. It's called an exactly. ulna. I don't know the name of the ulna. I don't know that. Um, so It's called a radius. Right. So There's a tibia. Yeah, keep going. You got, uh, how many more bones are there? You got like another 168. Go. Give me the, the last Ocu- 164. Ocular bone. Good. There's one easy one you're missing. Really easy. Spine bone. <laughs> no. There's a lot of bones that make up the spine. The skull, bro. You missed the skull. Funny bone. Oh, that's a good one. Poker bone. Ha <laughs> ha. Is Andy going to get poker boned in this hand <laughs> on the breakdown? Mean, what do you mean by that? <laughs> exactly. Like get unlucky. Oh. Get unlucky. Let's find out together. Uh, I will say. By the th- way, you said yeah. You said I don't have a medical degree. Yeah. And to your knowledge, I don't. Right. But genuinely, how certain are you that I don't have a medical degree? Because there is always a chance. I mean, I've known you since 2000, I think, and 11. I think it's 2011. Yeah. So it's been a solid yeah. nine years or so. Um, I'm pretty sure I would be willing to bet real money on this. You know, if where do the odds stop? Like, if you're getting yeah. it. Are, are you betting $100,000 to win a dollar? No, of course not. What's the, what's the point? Who cares? Like, okay, are you, are you betting $100,000 to win $100? So, no, I'm not going to give 1000 to one. Again, the downside is so great. This, it's, it's kind of like, it's just why would you do it, you know? 
Fine. So it's sorry. That's not the, sorry, that's I'm not, not the fun. spirit. That's not the spirit of the question. Well, ask me just what odds fine. I would take then. Like, would I take a thousand okay, to one? Would you? I would not take a thousand to one. I would take. I would probably take ninety to one, without thinking about it. I think you should probably take more than that. Well, you like, have perfect you information. I've... Of course, you think that. You know, you're if not you betting have against it. me. You're not betting against me. You're betting against somebody else. Um, understood. But like, you have perfect information anyway, right? Like, I would be. I think it's incredibly unlikely, but I would happily take ninety to one without thinking about it. Like. Would I of take course. a thousand to one? You yeah, would take two fifty to one if I, would, I gave it to you. I would take two fifty to one. Yes, especially with someone someone who wasn't you, so they didn't have incentive to like you know think they were tricking me or someone had say, yeah. as much knowledge as I do about it and no more. Yes, of course I would take two fifty to one. There's no chance you have a medical degree. <laughs> to be clear, there's no yeah, fucking way. How could you have a medical degree? You have like a philosophy I mean, it feels like degree. I would have, philosophy, it psychology. Feels like I would have, one of those psychology and it's a bachelor's degree, but <laughs> there's no way like, of course I would have brought it up if I had a medical degree by now. Yeah. Like, Two fifty to one is not enough. A thousand to one is probably pretty good. <laughs> like <laughs> you probably have to take a thousand. To one. I'm, I'm risk averse, man. <laughs> you know that yeah. I'm risk averse. I only like to make bets if I feel like they're, they're good spots. How many, how many bets have we made that like looking back, it's like, wow, I can't believe you made that bet with me. There's a fair amount of uh-huh. them. You're the guy who were like, all right. So one time Grant and I were watching a football game. It was the Bears. Grant's a big Bears fan. And this is back when Jay Cutler was still playing. And he wanted to bet me that on the next play, they were like on the two-yard line. On the next play, the running back, Matt Forte, would get the ball and throw a pass to Jay Cutler, the quarterback, and Jay Cutler would catch it for a touchdown. And, wanted, and Grant wanted 1,000 to 1. He was like, I want to bet a dollar to win 1,000. I was like, you got me. I can't, I can't yeah, turn course. it down. I have to say yes to this. And, and long story short, I was $1,000 richer. <laughs> no, but Matt Forte did get the ball, go back and look like for a second, like he was looking to pass the ball, which freaked me the fuck out. I will say <laughs> yeah, that. I was like, oh, been... my God. You know, but if, if that funny. had actually come in, we would have never stopped telling that story. Yeah. It would be brought up like every week for I would, years. I would actually wonder if you had like played me somehow, though. I would, I would suspect that probably for the end of my life. Like, how could, you, how could you be so specific and get that right? It would seem like, did you like know that they were working on that somehow? Did you, like, know the formation? So, like, when you said that, actually, it was, like, four to one instead of fucking thousand to one. I would really wonder maybe. that. I would just, So, in some ways, it might have hurt our, our friendship, and maybe we wouldn't be here doing this podcast still, because I'd be like, you, I just wouldn't be able to believe it was possible. Now, I wouldn't, if it happened now, I'd be like, well, yeah, you make a lot of bets like that. I would Well, know. thank but God the first for the time. listeners that, that Matt Forte never developed an arm. <laughs> what, what a gift we wouldn't have been able to give to the world. You know. Hey, speaking of the listeners, this one was suggested by a guy who's just been crushing it, mm. been sailing the seven seas recently. Let me win one. Sailing that's, the seven seas. That's pretty good, right? It's like yeah. a way to say like sure. Kind of like an, an alternative to saying crushing it, you know? I suppose. <laughs> it's fun. It's pretty good. Let me win one has been all up and down in our business. No question about it. All up and down right. all of the seas and the channels and inlets everywhere. Wow. In, even in the sounds. See, now you're and, making... Uh, it sounds like it's it's physical. It sounds like it's sexual when you say it. Inlet. That's only so because you, you don't inlets. understand... That's just because you don't understand naval terminology yeah. because you're not a, a real man. Right. Like I'm not. Me. Um, <laughs> I'm not a real man. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you acknowledge that. Anyway, yeah. let me win one, of course, suggested it from his merry boat to our Twitter account. Let That's me, two poker guys. Yeah. This the guy. number two... <laughs> Stop interrupting me. <laughs> Sorry. The number two poker guys on Twitter. If you want to suggest a hand for the breakdown, please include a YouTube link and a timestamp. That is what Let Me Win One always does because he is a sea captain. Are you willing to finally put 
let me win one into the Hall of Fame. Are you willing to finally acknowledge he's a Hall of Fame? I never, I've never been anti let me win one, but I actually do think that he's making quite a Hall of Fame bid in the year 2020. I think he is. I think at this point, he's a Hall of Famer. I'm going there. I'm saying, I think let me win one, give him a plaque, put him on the wall. I think it's kind of like, uh, no, I'm in Portland, so this is skewing my vision, but it's kind of like a Damian Lillard level thing where it's like, yeah, if his career continues as you expect it to, he's probably a Hall of Famer, but... He has to finish the career. That's that's where I am. I mean, I feel like we can pull anyone out of the Hall of Fame anytime we want. So true. I feel like as of right now, he's a Hall of Famer for me. But I think I understand okay. what you're saying, and I don't think you're crazy. Like if he never suggested anything again, at some point he probably would be off the wall. Like Michael yeah. Jackson, just you know that album. Off or Mark wall. McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Off the wall. Well, I guess they never got in to the Hall of Fame, did they? Oh, no, they certainly didn't. Michael Jackson, when I said, I was referring to Michael, the name of Michael Jackson's album before Thriller, Off the Wall. Not that, he was, ah. not that he was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and got pulled. I'm sure they have not pulled him from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm sure they oh, haven't. They probably should. I remember anyway. when Michael, George, uh, Michael Jackson died, and, I, and everyone was sad about it, and I didn't understand. But anyway, it was weird. Sweet. To, I'm way, saying it was way weird to, to go. me. Way to, way to make a lot of the listeners upset. Anyway. <laughs> I know, right? But hey, I got to be me. So anyway, let's do this. All right, so it is a 5,100 game, we believe, based on it what is. Andy opens to. We never really know with Live at the Bike. Sometimes it's like a 510 game with nine straddles, but yeah, we're okay. going to assume it's a 5,100 game because Andy has 100K in front of him. His opponent, Chris, has 50K in front of him. So Andy's under the gun. He's going to make it $300 with Jack 10 of Hearts. Chris, directly to his left, who I th- think I've seen before on Live at the Bike, but I don't have any recollection of it. I don't remember well. Like... Hands have been suggested to us with him in it, but I don't think we've ever done it. Okay. Anyway, he's got King Jack of Clubs, and he makes it a thousand plus one. So this is like uh, Chris is a guy who three bets a lot, or it's like uh, Andy specific play. In the case that Andy is actually as loose as we think and not as tight as people tell us on Twitter. I mean, it's probably a little bit of both, right? Like, even if you three bet a lot, you're not often going to raise the under the gun open with King Jack of Clubs. I don't think. and but when you combine that with Andy's being a little bit wacky, even though there's a few people who really stand for Andy being tight, aggressive, he has a way he has it a lot. He's careful. He plays tight ranges, supposedly all this kind of stuff. Maybe that's true. We haven't really seen that. Um, that would be a reason. To you would back. think you would think that like I know that we only get suggested hands that like yeah. big things happen in. Yeah, but you would think we would see some sometimes when Andy takes the conservative route if that were true. <laughs> even though, but it has not yeah. yet. It has not yet happened. Right, like, <laughs> like even like like Garrett's being crazy, but Andy isn't. Andy's playing. Yeah, but it's like Andy's always trying to out crazy everyone. Is my experience of Andy from from the hands we've seen? I we've probably done fifteen Andy hands at this point, right? I mean, it's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. So I don't know. All I have is what I have. Anyway, based on our perception and not yeah. the perception necessarily of the people who tell us on Twitter that Andy's tight, this seems actually like a reasonable thing to do to isolate Andy with King Jack of Clubs plus one when he opens under the gun if he's going to be opening a wide range. I mean, it's weird, though, because Andy's capable of just four-betting you with kind of his whole range, isn't it? And so, like, I guess well, we get to, we're get we going to have to call and play in position against him, I guess, right? Right. I mean, if we're Chris, we have, 500, we have 500 bigs. If we think that range is wide enough, it might be profitable to call in position with this hand that can flop pretty well. Yeah. Okay. That, I mean, as long as that's our plan, I'm cool with it. If it's like to fold to a four bet, I don't really love it against Andy specifically. 
Well, spoiler alert, we're never going to find out. Yeah. But I actually think it's not a terrible plan against a player like Andy yeah. to three-bet this hand I'm cool. in this position. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Anyway, it folds back to Andy, who does call. Jack-10 of hearts feels like the ultimate calling hand in this spot, right? Like, <laughs> small pocket pairs and Jack-10 of hearts feel very call Sure. Pot's now $2,300. The flop is three of hearts, four of hearts, three of diamonds, two hearts on the board. And he's going to check. This is a board that Chris is obligated to bet on, right? Like, he has all the overpairs in his range. Yeah. And he has really no prospects on this board except for hitting a king or a jack. What size do you want to go as Chris? Oh, that's a good question. I think because we're so deep, Andy's going to be inclined to call with a lot of his range if we don't size it up a little bit, is my guess. Um, So we have to think about, with our range here, what do we want, like... What do we want to happen, right? Like, we have a lot of overpairs for sure. We also have ace-kings, which are way ahead a lot, and ace-queens, which are way ahead. Um, but then a hand like king-jack suited, if we bet, we're clearly praying for a fold, not just to deny equity, but also because we're behind a fair amount, right? Um, sure. Uh, I think I want to go a little bit on the bigger side, actually. So, Well, yeah. are you doing that because of our hand or because of the board texture or because of the stack depth? Because board texture tells me small bet. Right, but Andy and depth to me say big bet. If it if we so weren't deep, big, I'd want to go if small. You had, if you even if you had aces, you would go big. I assume we're getting a lot of calls from Andy. So this this is my this is my sort of more macro question. Is like, do do we want to bet big because we have so many bluffs here that like, and we balancing with we have to go big with aces too though, or do we want to go small and then like know that we have a lot of overpairs? But if we have King Jack of Clubs, maybe we just have a lot of like big Miss Broadway here, big suitor Broadway. And if we do, I don't know. I kind of, I think on the whole, I'd, I'd rather go big than small. Like I'd like to try okay. and fold out King Queen if I can right now. But that's for different reasons than we're usually talking about yes. on this podcast. Like yes. often you would, I would expect you to answer you'd like to go small, yes, because we have a range advantage on a relatively dry board where we're supposed to have a ton of overpairs. Most of the time with an overpair, we're betting something like 900 to 2300, you know, something smallish. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and with anything else as well, because we have a range advantage, we don't need to bet more than that. Right. I think if we have aces, if we're not this deep, um, in most situations, I agree with you for sure. It's a small bet here. No question. Um, so, the, But it feels like because we're so insanely deep, I mean, are we getting, a, if we bet 900, what are we folding out, I guess is the question. I mean, if Andy had Jack-10 of spades, you'd probably expect him to fold that, right? Cool. Yes. So there's a few Jack-10 suited type hands. There's some suited I mean, connector type hands. there's a lot of other hands. It could have like a like like six, seven plus suited that would fold. Yeah. It's not hearts. I mean... I mean, what's he doing? What's he doing if he has he, something I mean, like he, ace, nine, ace nine suited? Is he going to call with ace nine suited? First of all, he's definitely not folding six, seven suited. Like he has a gut shot and overs. There's no chance. But... Um, but Eight nine suit is a fair question. Like a bunch of the suit connectors right. are a fair question, right? Seven eight. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven eight. Um, like seven eight eight nine nine ten jack ten. Probably you're gonna fold out. I don't know. I don't know. Is he is he definitely folding jack ten? Just like with no with no backdoor with no flush of any kind. Is he definitely folding it? I'm not sure. I mean, if he's not, he's losing money on that call yeah, over time. That's true. That's true. Um. If we're going to bet small here, I just think we should follow up pr- on pretty much every turn card with a bigger bet. 
Well, that's typically how these things go. Yeah. Right. When you bet small and get called. I mean, you just, I'm just saying like, you're kind of, you're kind of going outside of the normal thought yeah. process and logic of this podcast and of most high level poker thought on board texture, Yeah, which would dictate that as the aggressor, especially in a three bet pot, you downsize significantly on dry paired boards. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm aware of that. But, yeah. like, we think part of the reason why is because we think, like, we get a lot of folds by betting small anyway. Like, that there's not a big difference between betting big or betting small. We've got this level of range advantage, right? There's some difference, of course, but not a huge difference. Yeah. I'm wondering if yeah. against this opponent when we're this deep, if there's less of a difference, though, if it actually matters a bit more. And so if, if because we're so insanely deep that, like, we just should size up a bit more. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you could also you could size up with everything. Maybe you don't want to size up hugely, but you could size, instead of betting like nine hundred or a thousand, you could decide to bet because we're so deep. Specifically, we could bet thirteen hundred. You know, get more value, yeah. get a little bit more folds, get a little more value with our over pairs. Like, maybe that does a little bit more of everything. Maybe maybe that's a happy medium. On where this, I deep. wonder if you would have had all of these thoughts if you didn't know that Chris bet big because Chris does bet big. Um, I actually didn't know it before I said that originally about him betting big. Ah. I said it, and then I looked to see what he did. I'm like, oh, he bet big. Yeah, he actually bets a lot bigger than I would expect. 1,800 and 2,300 yeah. with the King Jack of Clubs on the 3342 heart board. Maybe his thoughts are similar to yours, or maybe Chris is just the guy who always bets big. We don't know. Right. It is cash. Some people just bet big in cash no matter what. You know, It's less so right. than it used also, to be. Like, there's always there, we don't know anything about Chris if he's a pro amateur if he's good or not we have no idea, but there's something to fucking with the dials and doing stuff that might look bad on the surface against players who are good like I'll always remember like Max Steinberg four or five years ago in the World Series mm-hmm. was was open limping and four xing those were his only two opening actions early on in the World Series or even maybe day four in the World Series and if you saw a player and you didn't know they were good either open limping or 4Xing when they were opening a pot, you would automatically think they were a bad player, right? Yep, in a tournament. For sure. Uh, but it's Max Steinberg. He's clearly very good, and he's got a reason behind this, and he was fucking with the dials, and I think it's really interesting to do stuff like that. So a way to fuck with the dials in today's poker would maybe be to bet really big on boards where you're not expected to, like over and over again. And yep. that might be a viable strategy against thinking players. Who knows? There's some value also to betting big on this kind of a board. With um, when we have big over pairs specifically, be- when Andy opens under the gun and calls, because all of Andy's over pairs are going to call almost any size bet, and he's got a lot I of over pairs. I agree, and I feel like I've used that strategy plenty of times. But those are in discrete situations where I'm not going to play the player frequently, yeah. and like I can tell they're a pretty bad player, and they're yeah. not going to really know the signs or pay attention. It's like, well, I might as well get the most value I can out of these aces because if they have. Ace Jack, they're just going to fold no matter what I size it. Right. If they have two tens, they're going to call no matter what I size exactly. it. Exactly. Big. Yeah. But that's not what you're doing against Andy, right? Like you have to have a more nuanced strategy against Andy. I would think so. I would think you do. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, so I think I land on like I like sort of a medium size bet when all is said and done. I like more than the typical bet, which would be like less than our three bet size here on this board normally. Um, I like a little bit bigger because we're so deep because it's Andy. Okay. But I see certainly I the, the case for going smaller. And I, I don't mean to shoot you down. I like to think differently about stuff too. And I think it's cool that you bring it up. I just wanted to make sure to, uh, 
elaborate the normal reasons for the normal size bet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to explore the nooks and crannies. You know, that's what we're doing here. Don't don't bring up English muffins. Don't try to bring up English uh, muffins. Right you now. saw that, didn't you? You, I, I thought yeah. I was going to sneak that one through. That was like a little. I think Easter instead egg. of exploring the nooks and crannies, we should explore the what pillowy, buttery flakiness of of the deliciousness of the bet. That you was know, like, super weird when you said that. Just like pillow, ugly, pillowy, buttery flakiness. Ugh, ugh. Like I want to. I like threw up in my mouth a little bit, and it's not because I don't like croissants. It's because like ugh, just you saying those words is like awful. It's an awful. Wow, experience. I just was like. I was just so nice to you, despite your horrible take on this bet size. <laughs> and still, this is how you this is how you treat me. You didn't let me get away daughter, with... on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> you didn't let me get away treat. with my uh, my nooks and crannies thing, so I have to strike back. You know how it is. <laughs> it is true that the most visceral and angry responses on this podcast come from the croissant versus English muffin debate, which we have tabled for a while. Yeah, we should retable. It's been a solid. Nine months to a year, I think, since we've really seriously talked about that, which is great. I support that, like, enough. Also, I think I said this before on this show, having had some English muffins <laughs> since we started doing this, so we had that big thing, I was like, God, they're not as good as I remember. They're only pretty good at best. Really. They're good, like, if you, like, make a breakfast sandwich out of them. But, sure. But they were a little disappointing sure. to me. Like, I had all these memories, these childhood memories of them being a particular way, and I bought some to, like, Re-experienced it after all our big back and forth. And I was like, you know, just not as good as I remember. The thing is, croissants... uh, God, here we go. I'm just going to stop. Yeah, here we go. I was just about to put down croissants. (laughs) I was going to say they're worse, but let's just move on and not do it. Okay, we'll move on. Croissants are better. Anyway, Andy Andy could raise this with Jack 10 of Hearts in a 3-3-4 board, but that would be abnormal, certainly. I mean, if he knows that this guy, Chris, is 3-betting with a ton of hands that aren't over pairs and a lot of those hands obviously include hands that are better than jack high right now then it makes it a lot more worth it to raise but when you raise his andy like what are you repping you're not doing a very good job repping anything except for quads or fours full i mean you could have aces or kings yeah you could have specifically those hands but also those are rare right like you don't really have those that often and also do you even really want to raise kings here like kings is it gets puts you in some weird spots potentially where like we were under the gun, you know? This is under the gun plus one that re-raises pre. Unless this guy is, like, doing this all the time to us. Like, I think kings play way better as a calling hand. Aces play better as a raising hand, for sure, because now we can capture value against all the overpairs, and it's hard to imagine we're behind. But Well, if the guy's doing it all the time, then we might as well just call with aces, right, and let him keep going. Oh, I, I was talking about doing it all the time, meaning, like, th- um, three-betting us when we're opening under yeah. the gun, yeah. Well, it yeah, depends. That's exactly what I it mean. It depends on what his post flop behavior is, though. Like some guys are going to take one shot and give up, especially when they size it this way. You know, they might be like, "All right, enough." Yeah. And like, and if we think, but like, but let's capture value against all those overpairs. Where my reputation is that of the crazy guy that I have as Andy, even though some people claim that is not the case. Um, I'm going to raise right now. He'll put me on a flush draw or whatever, some weird air hand, and uh, not fold. You know, but kings, I'm, I'd be just worried that like. We're going to fold out. I mean, some of the overpairs are eventually going to have to fold, and Aces is obviously never folding, and Aces is squarely in this player's range, and Kings just play better as a call, I think. Anyway. Well, either way, like all of this to say, raising does not seem like the normal or good play for Andy, even though he has a flush draw on this board. Um, Correct. 
Correct. Except the problem with calling is it sets up some weird potential turn spots for us. We may just have to check fold the turn depending on how the sizing goes, I guess. Yeah. I agree with that. It's just that's just how life goes sometimes, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like this is just not a board that you're supposed to check raise as the guy who didn't four bet when you're super deep. Like it just seems like that's a little fishy and it's not going to work out for you in the end. We also we also might think that some of the hands we're up against may check the turn. Like ace king if it if we if it bricks the turn, may check instead of firing again when it looks like we have an overpair a lot. It looks like we have two tens or yeah. something like that. And it's just yeah. like why do why not just take the free card and Control the pot and whatever, you know? So yep. if that happens, then we can bluff a lot of rivers, of course. All of these things are true. Yeah. So Andy's going to make the call. Okay. Seems like the right play. Another, another thing that's true is that nitrogen sports is where your dreams take wing. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And specifically, to be clear, when you say your dreams, you mean my dreams take wing. Not everyone's I mean, dreams. My, not yeah, my but Jonathan's dreams. dreams are representative of the listener's dreams. Well... I mean, the listeners' dreams are representative of my dreams. It's a little different. Like, okay. So the dreams taking wing, yeah. let's talk about that for a second <laughs> because it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So the way, the way the wing is taken by the dream is when you click the link in the description of this podcast that takes you to Nitrogen Sports to that sign-up area, mm. that's where you sign up for Nitrogen Sports, which, of course, has a poker room. Using that link gives you access to the exclusive Poker Guys tournament, which you can only get access to if you sign up through that link. That tournament happens the last Sunday of every month. It is a 100 millibit guarantee with a 0.1 millibit buy-in. That means that the guarantee is 1,000 times that of the buy-in. They don't even let more than 300 players play. Not that they get that many anyway. So there's a huge overlay every time. It's an incredible deal, Jonathan. Like Just like your dreams. Your dreams are all about getting incredible deals, right? Yeah, absolutely they are. I mean, basically my dreams are... I'm on the I'm on the internet. I'm on my computer. I surf to a daily deal website. They have just like an outrageous deal on you know moisture wicking socks, and I have awesome. to have them. I have to have them, and I order them. You didn't know you you didn't know you had to have them until you saw they were seventy five percent off. Yeah, then of course but, you have to have them, and you buy yeah. a lot so that way you know you're good. And then the thing is, and this is the dream aspect of it, because up till now this could be real for me. Of anyway. course, moisture wicking socks. Let's go. Um, but in the dream, I ha- instead of it being delivered to me, I have to go get them and I have to walk for some reason. Like I can't drive and it's, it's in Switzerland, but there's a way That's to hard. walk there. But there is a way to walk there in the dream. You guys all know what I'm talking about, of course, because your dreams are representative of this, my yeah. dreams. Um, anyway, so it takes a few hours to get to Switzerland and you keep getting lost, but you do get there. But then getting home is even more confusing and you can never get home. And then do you realize that, like, you have a paper due the next day for a class that you, you hadn't even gone to once that semester? You don't even remember what building it's in, and you're going to fail the class also? Does that happen? I've had so many dreams where it's like, I'm like, oh, God, I, f- I guess I failed all those classes because I never showed up to any of the classes ever or took any of the tests or did anything. I've had that dream yeah. so many times. Me too. Me so, too. And that's uh, not going to happen to you if you use the link in the description <laughs> when you sign up for Nitrogen Sports. <laughs> way to bring it back around. Yeah. Hey, hey, by the way, when you withdraw your money, when you win big, big Bitcoin on Nitrogen Sports, they give it to you in 90 minutes. No messing around. Yeah, it's good. No, no fussing about. No, no telling tales out of school. No tabernacle wally walkie. Is that a British thing? I don't know. Maybe. Nope. Definitely not a British thing. Just weird. You don't know for sure. Weird. I know this? you're not a doctor, and I know that ain't a British thing, bro. You give me 2,500 to one? I'll give you 250 to one right now. 
deal. Done. If Tabernacle dollars. <laughs> let's go. Hundred thousand. My hundred thousand. Let's do this. All right, we'll we'll negotiate off the air. Anyway, right. nitrogen sports where dreams take wing, especially the dreams where you didn't attend class and you're all freaked out about it. Where Jonathan's but, dreams oh. take wing. Okay. I like so, that. So we've got Chris as the three better with King Jack of Clubs. We've got Andy opening and calling under the gun with Jack Ten of Hearts, and then check calling on the three three four two heart board. The pot has uh, 5,900 in it. The turn is the 10 of diamonds. So Andy makes top pair. Well, hello, Dolly. So just a quick question. <laughs> yeah. Not about hello, Dolly, because oh. I'm just going to ignore that. Oh, um, I thought that's where we're going. Andy's going to check. That makes sense. Yeah. We're not really, we don't really need to explore that. If Chris were to move in, do you think Andy would fold? Chris Chris has like 47,000 left. <laughs> he moves in for 40 if he moves in for 47k, well, yeah, Andy, I just want to explore I just want to explore the scenario. That's a super weird question to ask. Um I don't know anything about Chris. I think Andy would fold unless he knows a lot about Chris. He has to know Chris is capable yeah. of not having it. Otherwise, it's a bad call, right? You're just not getting the right price. If Chris has aces, you're not getting the right price. You just you just aren't. So you have to know that Chris does this and doesn't have to have it for you to be able to call here. He has to have it. You have to be winning sometimes. Otherwise, you just can't. Your outs aren't enough. All right. Anyway, back to reality. That was a super weird question. Yeah, I just thought it would be fun to ask. Yeah. And uh, Andy checks, which makes sense. Yeah. Chris doesn't move in, but he does bet six thousand into fifty nine hundred. Wow. I. Do you think he even needs to follow up with another bet when he gets called on his big flop bet? He bet eighteen hundred and twenty three hundred on the flop. I mean, he's trying to convince pocket sevens to fold, right? That's what's going on. Or a naked flush draw that doesn't have a ten with it. You know, okay. the eight nine of hearts. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's trying to rep uh, like kings. That is like fold your flush, man, because I have kings, and like I'm not giving you the right price. Yeah, that's fair. It's one of those kinds of things. But but in doing so, he's trying to convince. A bunch of the overpairs to fold also, or what were overpairs and are probably no longer. Because I don't think he's yeah. reasonably going to expect jacks to fold. Jacks would be a very exploitative fold here, right? Right. Um, so he's trying to fold out flush draws and like fives through nines. Yeah, I think so. Which is, if you can do that, it's probably worth 6K, you know? So, so do you think it's a profitable bet? I would guess it is. I don't know if we need to bet this much. I think 5K is going to do the same job as 6K here. I would guess 4,500 is probably going to do the same job as 6K here. Um, it's my thought. But if, you're, if maybe he's worried nines are going to call, if he makes it 4,500, it's 6K, it isn't. I don't know. That's not a good enough reason for $1,500 more to go in the pot. Um, yeah. I just feel like this is bigger than it needs to be to, to accomplish things. But I do think if we can fold out all the flush draws. Now, by the way, can we fold out all the flush draws? Like, is Andy always going to fold his flush draws when we make it this much instead of raise? He's going to raise some of his flush draws. It's Andy, right? So that's problematic. Um, and he might raise other weird things. It's Andy. But we're probably going to succeed in folding out some of his pairs, some of his pocket pairs here by betting the turn, which is, I think, what's going on. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And so I don't think it's an unreasonable thing to do. To right. I think it's fine to, to bet. This. I think it's fine to bet. I think 4,800 is, is a better bet than 6,000. Sure. Anyway, Andy can't fold with no. top pair and the jack high flush draw. Raising would seem weird, obviously. It would be very, so, very odd to raise right now. So Andy calls. Yeah. The pot is now $17,900. The river is the eight of spades. So 
reasonable run out for Andy. Pretty bad run out for Chris. Yes. Um, <laughs> Chris is losing board, almost always. Of course. The board reads 3-3-4 three, three, with two hearts, 10 of diamonds, 8 of spades. Andy checks. Yeah. Should Chris bluff? Good question. Well, let's think about it. Andy could have... Could Andy ever have a combo draw that he decided not to raise the turn with? Like Jack-9 or 7-9 of hearts? That maybe you could have 6-7 of hearts, like we were saying. Um, yeah. 5-6 of hearts. There's not too many 7-5 of hearts, maybe. Maybe you can't even have 7-5 of hearts, though. There aren't very many of those. There's, if he can have any of them, there's even if he can have all of them, that's like five combos, and probably he can't have all of them, right? Like, he might right. just not have Jack-9 of hearts here or 5-7 of hearts at all. So you're wondering if we can check back and win? Is that why you're asking this question? Um, I'm wondering that. Yes, that is one of the things I'm wondering. It seems like there's very few hands we can check and beat, I think is what I'm yes. coming to. Um, maybe Andy can have the queen jack of hearts and play it this way. Nope. He's not going to just going to call the turn. He can't call 6,000 with the queen jack of hearts. No, he's right? either going to raise or fold the turn. Right. Probably if he has the, if he has the ace jack of hearts, maybe he feels like he can call sometimes against us though, or the ace queen of hearts. So, and well, then we of course, don't beat those. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like, so I think we probably should at least, if we check, we should understand we're going to lose. Like, we, we're not going to win, almost ever. Yeah. So the question is, is it profitable to take a swing here? What can we fold out if we do? Well, we can fold out the flush draws, that, the ace-high yeah. flush draws, which is pretty good. And we can probably fold out stubborn nines, seven, sixes, and fives, which Andy may still have those hands. He, he does get sticky sometimes. We block jacks and we block kings. Not that Andy's going to have too many pocket kings here. Maybe we can, we can get queens to at least think about folding. Now, Andy may ultimately decide, like, what better hands do I have than queens? It's hard to come up with very Yeah, many. I don't think we should target queens. Yeah. We shouldn't be targeting queens. So we're just... But then there aren't that... That isn't that many combos of other things then, really. Like, we're talking about, like, what do we say? Six, sevens, and nines, mostly? The, ra- the random The random 10x of hearts, like he, Andy actually has. Fives. Yeah. I guess the random 10x of hearts may be, more, may be more combos than we're thinking, too. That may be like six combos all by itself. Um, and if Andy gets here with a significant portion of those pocket pairs, that's actually a lot more combos than that. Like, those yeah. that's six combos per, per pair. And if we think about it, too, like, Andy's best hand is usually, if it isn't a, if it isn't a full house, it's usually a queens, right? And then it's those pocket right, he's pairs. Got, he's got some tens full, some eights full, yeah. some quads, and some fours full. Right. But we think, like, maybe we fold out eights sometimes on the turn. We might be able to fold out a big chunk of his range here by betting. I think we should bet and try and fold out a big chunk of his range. We might succeed. All right. Chris goes for it. He does. He bets 12,500. I mean, we're supposed to have aces. We played this just like aces the whole way. Right. If Andy was holding on with two nines or two sevens on the turn, it's going to be a very tough call. It would seem like kind of crazy to call with two nines to me. Off the top, without like thinking too much about it, without getting into combos and how much we have to defend here to make it, you know, not to give him a chance just to steal from us. It seems like we just calling with two nines is just like throwing money away. It feels like at least, which is which makes the bet pretty good. All right, let's get to the interesting part, though. Yeah, here we go. Chris has done a good enough job of convincing Andy that Chris has an overpair that Andy moves in. Yeah, for forty one k effective. This cannot be for value with no. Jack ten. On the three three four ten eight board, this is clearly a bluff. Trying to fold out an overpair. The question is: Is this a good idea? Obviously, he wins the hand. Chris folds king jack of clubs. Yeah, there's nowhere nowhere left to go for Chris. But like, 
could Andy just call? Is it more profitable to just call with top pair here? Yeah, that's the question. So, well, here's one of the questions we need to ask is, can we successfully get Chris to fold an overpair? Like, if we can't do that, we should definitely not move in, right? Can we even do that? We block jacks. Well, so it's like Queens I mean, Plus if, is what we're targeting here. If Chris watches Andy play at all, I feel like he's supposed to call with an overpair. Yeah, I think you're supposed to bet and kind of like be a little scared, but also do an internal fist pump when he when Andy check raises all and you're like, a fair amount of the time here, I'm just getting a full double when I shouldn't. This is amazing. Like, and it's unlucky for me if I'm beat, right? Yeah. There's only six combos that we should be losing to if we have queens here, right? Like, I mean, it's really, it's more than that. It's, it's quads and fours full also. Oh, like you're right. You know what? You're right. He can have those two. So it's 10 combos. It's 10 yeah. combos. You're right. Um, he's going to raise those sometimes, though, along the way. Sometimes, right? Uh, maybe by the turn he's going to raise sometimes because we really look like we have it. Now, not always, but so it probably isn't 10 full combos of those things. And pocket tens, he's going to raise sometimes on the turn too. Sometimes. So, yeah. So it isn't even 10 full combos. It's probably like seven and a half combos that we're losing to here if we have, and we're, if we have queens, right? And the question is, what is he bluffing with? Well, it's Andy, right? So yeah. we see he has jack 10, so we know the bluffing combos are way more than seven and a half combos. It's basically, it feels like it's any 10 he's going to bluff with here. Right. So I feel like this is a bad idea if you're Andy and your opponent knows you. Like, because if they have a hand that beats you, they probably should call. Yeah. And if they have a hand that doesn't beat you, it doesn't matter anyway. You were going to win the same amount. Unless, unless you just called, unless you get in a crazy call from nine, 10 suited, but that seems insane or in pocket nines, but that seems insane. Right. Yeah. That's not what Andy's going for here. No, of course not. Of course not. Um, so the, the question becomes, is it better? Like if Andy's deciding I'm never folding this hand, which is fine. You can decide that if you want to. Yeah. Um, is it better to call or to shove? And we've talked about this a little bit. And uh, with the Jack 10 of hearts, you block hearts, which is problematic for choosing to shove rather than call here because the hands that make the most sense as bluffs for Chris are heart draws. Right. And, when we block hearts, that means that he's less likely to have a heart draw, means he's more likely to actually have an overpair. So that's why that you're shoving. Could, that's why you I shove. Guess that's, I guess that's why you shove, but that, then you're hoping he folds an overpair, right. which I guess is what you're doing. That's, that's what he's feels, doing. It's what, when you don't have hearts, that's when, that's when you'd call more, right? And when you have yeah. hearts, that's when you would shove more in theory. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. It's confusing. I got confused. <laughs> it's okay. It's but, fine. It's fine. There's a, it's, yeah, but, there's a lot going on with it. Yes. Okay. So let's restate that because I definitely bungled it. That when you have hearts, it is better to shove, actually. If you're going to have a jack 10, obviously, it's really hard to have jack 10 of spades or jack 10 of clubs as played if you're Andy. But if you get to the river here with a jack 10, the jack 10 of hearts is actually the best hand to bluff with because you're less likely to be able to bluff catch exactly. because your opponent doesn't have heart draws as frequently because you block those. Right. We cut down. Sorry, I messed that up, but that is, that is what I meant to say. Um, so I guess maybe that's what Andy is thinking about when he does this, but it doesn't really matter that much because he doesn't get to the river with any 10 X. That's not the 10 X of hearts, right? I mean, it's hard to think of almost any of those that he would be able to get to the, 
It's maybe really hard Ace to think. Ten. Maybe, maybe Ace, Ace Ten. Wait, wait. What? About, also, no. He can have the back door. The back door flush draw on the flop, right? So you Ace think ten he can di- call eighteen hundred with with the Ace Ten of Diamonds. Ace Ten of Diamonds. Maybe Ace. Okay, but probably not King Ten of Diamonds or or Queen Ten of Diamonds, right? I mean, it's hard to imagine that he could really show up with Queen Ten of Diamonds here for eighteen hundred on the flop. It seems hard to imagine. He's Andy, though. You know, he's the kind of guy who might talk himself into. I can just win this pot later, like. But it seems really strange to call with Queen Ten of Diamonds out of position for a bet this big on the flop. Yeah, to me. So, so, like in the end, the fact that you have hearts with your ten, making it the best time to try to bluff an overpair doesn't really matter if you only ever get here with a ten if it's with hearts, right? Right. Yes, that would seem. That's a good point. It's weird. The whole thing is is really, really strange. Um, it we like if also why are we picking? I mean, clearly Andy is choosing to attack what he thinks is an overpair, right? Clearly, yeah. We're attacking like the strongest part of our opponent's range. It just seems like an odd thing to do. Like in general, like I as a as a rule, I try not to attack the strongest part of my opponent's range. I try to attack a weaker part of their range, you know, and like. Like, at this point, we're like, well, since if I call, I beat all the weak parts of his range anyway, I'm raising just to fold out the slightly better, the better hands that exist, which are really only like jacks plus. Those are the hands, right? Um, yeah. I would think. Maybe, I guess once in a while, it's tens full war. That's not going to work anyway. Like, but we block that, so it's not as big a deal. Um, so, I don't know. Like, attacking the strongest part of a range just seems questionable to me. Like... It just seems when we have when we have better options against the weaker part of the range. So I don't know. I don't know why we're taking arms against against queens here and kings and aces, especially when our reputation is Andy's reputation, which I believe is that of the guy who's going to make plays like this, who's going to check raise and not have it on the river. Right. I mean, it's possible this works for Andy either way because the majority of his opponents are uh, not willing to put in this much actual money yeah. in these spots, and maybe that is a huge tool in Andy's toolbox yeah. that makes it work for him. But I mean, you'd really think that over time this stuff would have to stop working because his bluff combos just get to be so huge versus his potential value combos that whenever you have an overpair in a spot like this, you just have to call Andy even if it's uncomfortable. I mean, basically, Andy is, I think, doing this with any 10x of hearts. Probably he's making this play, right? Is, yeah. Is the belief. And that's probably his only bl- play where he's going to do this check raise all in on the river, right? Because he wants to block top set when he does this. Um, yeah. So there's less calls in his mind uh, by his opponent. I don't know, man. It's really weird to me. Like, we're saying, like... People should be adjusting and all that. But like the last hand we did with Andy, which I don't think by the time we do this, maybe won't have come out yet. But we have a hand coming out soon that we've already recorded, which is Andy and Garrett, where Andy makes a big check raise on the river also. And it works also. Right. And it's the same kind of a thing where he's got blockers. He's got better blockers and stuff. But and Garrett has the kind of hand which you probably shouldn't fold to Andy, you know, in that spot. And we get it. We get into it. And we talk about at least our opinions on it. And it's a, it's a really cool hand and worth listening to. Um, but like, if it's working against Garrett and it's working against this guy, and Andy gets every hand he plays in this is always on TV, and everyone gets to see it anyway. Maybe we're just wrong, and people just can't adjust. 
I mean, we don't I, know that it's working against this guy. This guy is king jack of clubs. It might not have worked against this guy yes. if he actually had an overpair. That is a great point. Yes. Andy already had the best hand here. That's a really good point. Um, yeah. But I'm not seeing examples. Maybe it's because it's not as fun of Andy making this play and it not working. Like when no one's sending in those hands. Maybe it's yeah. because it's maybe it's because it's not exciting and it's just like, oh, Andy failed bluffing. So what? You know, versus like, holy, how did that get through? Kind of a thing. Or like, what a weird decision. This seems like a strange decision where I guess Andy's like, well, I don't want to fold because I have top pair. Calling, I think I just lose too much, so I should try raising so I can fold out. Maybe this guy's just going to fold almost his entire range here. Well, you just have to be sure that you can fold out over pairs enough to make it profitable, which, you know, if you're... If you've got a really nitty reputation, that seems like something that you could potentially pull off. But based on my perspective on Andy, it feels like he shouldn't be able to pull it off against players who are observant and thinking about this stuff. If I was up against an unknown opponent and I was, but I and was trying to play and thought they were good, so I thought they had bluffs when they did this, not someone who only had massive value because that's different, right? Then we can fold almost everything but full houses, right? We can yeah. fold aces easily against some players, a lot of players here. But against someone who absolutely can be balanced here, it's Perlot Freeman or something like that. A guy who, like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but I know he can have bluffs. I know he can be making moves. Um, I would think, all right, what are, what are my hands here? I have tens full, and I have basically jacks plus that are value, right? Like, when I, that I get here with. Like, yeah. so, so I got to pick some of those to call with. Obviously, I'm calling with tens full, but there's only three combos of that. Um, I'm, I guess I have to call with my aces for sure. That gets me to nine combos. Then I have to call with at least some of my queens for sure, right? And if we look at the price sure. I'm getting in the pot, I probably have to call with all my queens also. Sorry, I didn't even say kings. Did you kings, forget about kings? I did. Forgot I forgot. I just, I just, as far as I'm concerned, kings don't exist anymore. Because, and they know what they did, by the way. Yeah. I'll just say it involves... A, it, I'm upset about it. And yeah, that's enough. That's okay. Don't don't air it out on the on the air. You might say something you regret. You yeah, know? I might. Fucking kings. So um, yeah. so yeah. So we're gonna call with aces. I think we have to call with kings too. Pretty pretty clearly, right? Because we're getting a price, and so that that tilts us now towards more than half our combos are calls. If we do aces and kings in the pocket tens, that gets us to nine of our fifteen combos of value. Our calls. Yeah. Um, then the question really is like, are we calling with queens or not? And again, someone like Perlod Freeman, I probably would strongly consider folding queens. And Jacks here. So I have some folds. Against yeah. a guy like Andy, okay, we probably should be folding a little bit of our value, but there's no way we can fold queens. I don't think we can right. possibly consider folding queens here just be, even though they really play the same as Jacks and the same as Kings. Like I don't think I don't think Andy's check raising along with two Jacks. You know what I mean? So Queens and Kings play the same. But like he just has too many bluffs to even consider folding queens. So maybe we fold jacks only and we call with everything else. So we're calling more than we, quote, should, but because this guy's bluffing more than he should. What do you well, think? against that strategy, Andy is definitely losing money with this play. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if he's ahead. Again, that's a key part of it. If he's ahead, he can just call and win anyway. So it doesn't right. gain him any value to move in. It only right. loses him when he gets called. I wonder against Andy if you're even supposed to call with jacks. Maybe. Maybe. Or like most of your jacks. Jacks without the jack of hearts in it, maybe. Something dumb like that. I don't know. You know, so that way you can have flush draws that got there. I don't know. Yeah, well, it worked out for him this time the same as it would have if he just called, though. But, yes. You know, that's how it went. I mean, I certainly have been, I'm sure you have too, playing in a, I can think of a cash game, this from years ago now, where a guy raised and I called with like, I must have been on the button or something. I had like jack nine suit or something, and I called, and then I flopped top pair, and the guy bet, and I called. 
And the turn brought a third flush card, and he bet again, but he bet kind of small. And I just, based on the things I knew about him, I, I was pretty sure he was block betting, you know, with like an overpair. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm losing. Oh, I better raise because the th- three flush cards out here. So I raised, and he thought sure. for a while and folded. And it was like, cool. You know, it was like a nice little thing to do. But like, it feels like that's what Andy's doing, except he's doing it with for $41,000 effective on the river. And he's doing it without the threat of the flush, you know, without any real threats. You know, he's now of course, a full house. Yeah, right. But you can always threaten a full house if the board's spared. <laughs> you can always threaten a set. You just do it. Yep. I mean, like, it's hard for you not to be able to have a set. There are certain situations, maybe at certain boards, where you basically can't have a set. But almost never can you not have a set. Like, almost anyone can almost always have a set, right? Almost always. Maybe sure. not top set, but some set. Almost always. So I don't know. It seems like there's a few since. There's a few circumstances, usually in tournament situations, where you can actually say, that guy never has a pocket pair because he only has like 14 blinds. I completed the small blind. He didn't shove the big blind. He never has a pocket pair, right? So he can't have any sets. But like that's never going to come up in a cash game, ever. So I don't know. Seems yeah, like... It just feels like uh, Andy has a little bit... And he's got a little bit too much of this move in him, it feels like. It seems Maybe like we're it, wrong. We haven't we haven't seen a huge sample size of Andy playing without it being major hands. So maybe we're wrong, but that just is what it feels like from the highlights. I mean, and we have seen more hands of Andy playing than almost any of the players we've ever done breakdowns on at this point, right? And Yeah. Well, no, not not really, because we don't really watch live at the bike all the time. Whereas like there's oh, a lot of players we've done breakdowns on right. where we've just watched them play yeah. other than that, like in tournaments and stuff. That is a really good point. You're totally right. Okay. That's, yeah. that's true. That's just true. Okay, fine. Um, damn it. Damn it. Pocket Kings. Yeah. Pocket all right. We'll Kings. leave it at that. I, I guess. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic And I can show every single MC how it's done right Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not We got one life And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne And gonna be traveling the globe We still have time to make